Welcome back to In the Studio with Matt. How are you? Hi. Thanks for tuning back in to hear the second part of last week's story. I uh, recorded the whole thing and cut it up into two sections that were each about a half an hour long. So without further ado, here is the continuation of last week's story. My haunted childhood home. My best friend at the time, John, he lived right down the street from us. So like over the summer, he and I spent all, all of our time together. If he wasn't staying the night at my house, I was staying the night at his. Um, one night he got up to use the bathroom and the house was dark. The, the living room window, there was a street light outside in the cul-de-sac and it shined into the living room. So you could see like this eerie white glow around everything. He said he came out of the bathroom and he heard my stepmom say John or Johnny. And he turned and looked and said he saw somebody sitting on the couch, but he only saw the silhouette, but it sounded like my stepmom. So he was like, yeah. And she was like, can you go home now? And he was like, okay, fine. Whatever time it was in the morning, it was overnight. So he went home. I woke up the next morning and he was gone. And I was like, what the fuck? I stormed over to his house. Why'd you leave? And he told me. So I stormed home. Why'd you tell my friend to leave? She was like, why would I tell him to leave? He's always here. Like, I don't care that he's here. So I don't know who to believe there, but I know the house well enough to know that it probably wasn't her. Another time he said he got up and he was thirsty. He used the bathroom. He was thirsty. So he went to the kitchen got a cup out of the cupboard, filled it with water at the sink and took it back to the couch. He sat down, started drinking the water and he said the TV came on and the TV didn't have a remote back then. It was, you had to turn on at the set and he sat there watching the TV for a minute because he was still like half asleep. And he thought I didn't turn the TV on and it wasn't on when I came in here. So he slowly got up, put poured the water out. Um, I think he left the cup in the sink and he came back to my room and he sat on the floor and just sat there until the sun came up. And he said the whole time he sat there, he said the TV finally shut off and nobody had got up. Nobody had moved. He got back up when the sun came out and the house was lit up and he went back out into the kitchen and he said his cup was sitting in the dish drainer upside down. He said it was like somebody washed it and put it away, but nobody had gotten up that morning. And then the last thing that happened to him, I experienced mostly. I actually experienced the aftermath. So we were both tiny enough that at that point we could sleep in my twin bed. And, uh, I woke up and he was standing on the floor next to my bed and he was like, and the hall light was on and my door was cracked open. So the room was lit up enough. I could see what was going on. And I know from before we went to bed, he had a glass of water that was sitting on this uh, little shelf I had next to the door. And it was sitting there still full or half full of water. 
And I said, what's going on? And he was like, man, somebody just dumped water on me. And I was like, you sure you didn't just piss the bed? He was like, no, I don't pee the bed. Like somebody, he said, I woke up when I felt water being poured on me and I heard a man laugh in the hallway, walking away from the room. So I checked the bed was soaked. I looked under the bed, the mattress, it was sitting on, I had a wood frame that my dad built and it was sitting on a piece of plywood and then it was just the mattress. There was so much water that was poured on him over his crotch area that, um, it was soaked through the mattress. It soaked through the two, the, the plywood and was dripping on the carpet underneath my bed. And his water was still sitting there. So <laughs> who was it? He said, it didn't sound like my dad. And there was no other guys in the house at the time that I know of. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was weird. My, um, this is probably my favorite story of the place. My stepmom decided to straighten her life out and stop partying and to make us a family again. So she decided to go to church. Um, she tried a whole bunch of different churches. She drug us kids with her and we ultimately settled on the church of Mormon. I was a kid. I didn't know any different. I know now the Mormons are kind of fucking crazy. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons I don't trust religion at all. But back then they were really nice. They were the nicest people we ever, uh, dealt with at church. It was the nicest church experience we had ever had. So we stayed there. But one by one, my sister started dropping off and then it was just me and my stepmom. And then she dropped off and it was just me. Well, they quit taking me to church because, you know, she wasn't going, my dad, he's not a church guy. So the missionaries that came to see us, they decided they would get us a ride to church. The church was across town, you know, and, uh, it's not hard to get to. It's just a little drive. Well, things were good like that for a while. And then I started getting sick on Sundays. Like flu sick. I'd be fine Saturday. I'd be fine Monday, but Sundays I would be flu sick and I couldn't go to church. And it happened so many times in a row that they decided to quit coming to get me. So when I wasn't sick, I couldn't go to church. And one time the missionaries came over and I had to take them out on the porch because I didn't want to talk about the house in the house. And I told them I was so scared. I was, I was crying and I told them, I think this house is possessed. And I told them what happened with me being sick. And I said, is there anything you can do? Can you bless the house or like, give me an, you know, an exorcism on the house or something. And they were like, 
this is way over our pay grade. You know, they were just missionaries. So, um, that was pretty much the end of me going to church was because of the house. Um, here's my favorite story before my mom or stepmom decided to leave the church. We had the, those missionaries come into the house to g- give us all a lesson. You know, that's what they did. <clears throat> They would teach us about the Bible. They would teach us about God and Jesus, and they would teach us about the Book of Mormon. And then they would play with us, the kids. We'd go out in the in the cul-de-sac, and we would throw football, we'd throw baseball, we'd talk, have fun, joke around. These guys scheduled us last for their visits on each day that they came so that they could hang out with us kids. And they were just, I know the one guy, I want to say he was from like Wisconsin or something, but the other guy was from California. He was a surfer. He loved ACDC, who I was just getting into. And, um, and we had a great time. Those guys were awesome. And at that point in my life, they were like the only bright spot I had, you know, they were like what I looked forward to. I didn't have much back then. And, uh, wherever they are, I want to thank them for being as awesome as they are. Well, one day they came over for a lesson it was just me and my stepmom at home. Now, because my stepmom had been running around on my dad prior to that. Um, my dad had been coming home from work early, you know, cause sometimes he didn't do two shifts and he would catch some random guy jumping out of a window and taking off when he came home. And my oldest stepsister, Shannon had rigged her bedroom window in that tiny bedroom across from the bathroom so that she could open it from the outside. Cause she liked to sneak out at night and come back and we all knew it. We all knew her window was like that. And then she did it. So my dad was like fed up with all these guys. You know, he was trying to get her to my stepmom to straighten out and be a wife again and a mother. So we could be a family again. And, um, he nailed all of the windows shut in my bedroom, in his bedroom and in the other bedroom. I'm not sure about the rest of the windows in the house, but I know for sure mine and his and the other bedroom were nailed shut. The nails happened after this story. Now that I think about it. Um, so with this story, the missionary showed up, they were getting set up in the living room. Okay. My, my, uh, stepmom was in the kitchen finishing up dishes or something. And I had to use the bathroom. So I went in the bathroom and when I came out, I looked across the hall into that little room and on the window, there were like a hundred house flies. Were they house flies or they were humongous flies. They were bigger than any fly I'd ever seen up to that point. So they may have been horse flies. It was just like that scene in Amityville horror. 
except they weren't flying around the room, but they were on the inside of the window, just crawling around on it. I went into the living room, passed the missionaries, went into the kitchen and said to Debbie, my stepmom, I said, there's all these fucking flies, you know, I didn't cuss then. So there's all these flies on the inside of Shannon's window, just crawling around. She was like, what? Cause they, there was no flies flying around the house. So we walked in there and she saw him. Oh my God. She said, I'm going to go around back outside, open the window from the outside, let them all out. I said, cool. Went back in, sat down on the couch, waited for the missionaries to finish setting up. <clears throat> as far as I know, they hadn't heard any of our conversation. And they were busy amongst themselves talking and getting things set up. She come back in and she said, they're all gone. I said, you let them out? And she said, no, they're gone. They weren't there when I went to open the window. Her and I both went back to the, the bedroom and looked in, not one fly anywhere. And at that moment, both missionaries stood up from the uh, couch they were on and said, we got to go. And they left. Uh, they didn't take their stuff. I think they grabbed what they could and they left because they had set up something like a, a PowerPoint display. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but they took some of their stuff and they just left and they never talked about it again. They never brought it up. They wouldn't talk about it. I don't know what happened, but, um, that is a God's honest truth that happened. Um, and then after that is when my dad nailed the window shut when things started. Cause that she left the church after that and started back in her old ways. And that's when Shannon left. And then that's when things started getting really, really bad. And one night my dad was home alone. Like he was, he started having, he started sleeping on the couch because he didn't want to sleep in that bed anymore because it wasn't his bed anymore. And, uh, and he was so scared that, that she was going to bring one of her guys back to the house to jump my dad. She, he just had that feeling. And then he kind of realized that, you know, this marriage isn't going to work. So she might as well just keep doing what she's doing. I'll do what I want to do. And leave it at that. At least they can be civil, right? So they talked about it and she was cool with that. Well, he started having those dreams like I was having, but not, not the same dreams. He was having this recurring dream where he was standing in some third world country in like the desert, surrounded by starving kids, all reaching up to him pulling at his clothes, begging for food. And then he would be laying on the couch like he was, but still in the dream. And all the kids would be around the couch, reaching at him and pulling his clothes. And they all had worms coming out of their mouths, their noses and their eyes and their ears. And then rudely one night, when he laid down to go to sleep because he had to work the next morning. Um, my bedroom door slammed. Boom. 
My dad was sleeping with a, I believe it was a ball bat next to the couch. He jumped up, grabbed the ball bat. He, he was for sure. Somebody was in the house and was, it was either fucking with him or was about to jump him. And he looked down the hall and my bedroom door was shaking. Like somebody was locked inside trying to get out. He said he heard both of them. I had two clo- little closets in that room. He heard both closet doors opening and slamming shut in there. Both of my windows were opening and slamming shut and they were nailed shut. And he was absolutely 100% positive. Debbie was in there with some people and they were fucking with him. So he walked slowly down the hall with a ball bat in hand and he uh, called out her name and everything stopped. So he slowly went inside, opened the door. He said the closets were shut. The windows were still nailed shut. Nobody was in there. He went outside and the neighbors were standing outside their driveway. And, and he, and that was the side of the house that my room was on. My side window looked over at their property at their house and my front window, I could see their driveway and their front yard. Um, they said they saw nobody come or go. He went back in my bedroom door slammed shut every, all the commotion from inside kept happening. So he sat down on the couch, turned the TV on and turned the volume up so that he could drown out the sound. And he sat there terrified, white knuckling the baseball bat until it was like time for him to go to work. I think it was at this point that I was living with my mom. So I didn't experience that. Uh, but I do remember visiting him and him telling me about it. And I started yelling. (laughs) We were standing in the kitchen. He was telling me about it. And I stepped out from the kitchen into the living room, looked straight down the hall at my door. And I started yelling, you leave my dad alone. Get out of my room. You're not welcome here. Well, he ran into Debbie in the bar. My friend, John, who lived a couple blocks down the street, he lived above the bar. The bar was on ground level and his house was above it. And, uh, that's where they both hung out a lot. My dad and Debbie, because it was so close. They could go down there. They could walk down there get trashed and stumble home. They didn't have to drive. Um, he went down there and found her and he said, Hey, uh, something happened that I think you should know about. And he told her about the door, my bedroom door and what what happened. And she said, that happened to you too. And it turned out it had happened to her and she didn't want to say anything because she didn't know how to bring it up. Well, one night they had a, a, a mutual friend named Dan. Everybody called him dirty Dan. Really cool old dude. Um, he needed a place to crash for the night. So somebody, one of my dad or Debbie, I think he was more of a friend of my dad's said he could stay there for the night. I don't know where my dad was. I don't, nobody was there that I know of other than him. Uh, he stayed in their bed in their bedroom. Um, the next day he told one of them that it happened to him while he was there. 
that my bedroom started doing that. So three different eyewitnesses to that incident. None of them knew that it had happened to the other. Um, things got so bad that, you know, I had already moved out with my mom. I was like 14 at that point. Um, they, uh, had all kind of split and finally the house was like foreclosed and there was a paper on the door taped to the door and it sat empty for a long time and trashed. It was just, it was rough, you know, and needed a little bit of elbow grease and TLC. Well, when I was 16, my dad and I, um, my buddy John had moved out of there a long time and the, the bar had closed, but there was some other people living in the house and my dad was friends with them. And, um, one day we were over there hanging out. You know, when I was 16, the house had been, uh, vacant for that long. And, um, somehow we started talking about it and I was like, you know, I would love to go by and see the house again. And so we went over there, my dad drove us and, um, we pulled in the driveway. He shut the van off. I got out. I walked around the house, looked in the windows. And when I got to the window that had all the flies on it, I couldn't see in it. It was like looking in a mirror, but it was just a regular ass window. Like I could see just a little bit in there. Like it was ultra tinted, but it wasn't, it was just a regular window. Um, I didn't find it weird though. It was like, I just wasn't allowed to look in there. I guess. I don't know if I would have not been able to handle <laughs> what I saw. I don't know. Well, I got back in the van and my dad tried to start it and it wouldn't start. He tried a couple times and it wouldn't start. He said, if I have to get out of this van in this driveway and fix the van in this driveway, I'm disowning you as a son. And then he tried it again and it started right up. We left and, uh, nine months later, my dad and I were talking and he said, by the way, I wanted to let you know that before we stopped there to see the house, that van never stalled like that ever. And he said, it hasn't done it since. So there you go. There's that story of that house. Many years later, I was delivering pizza for a local place and um, I stopped by, I had a delivery there and I was shocked and kind of nervous, you know, like I'm about to talk to the people who live there currently. And when I got there, uh, the guy opened the door and I saw in, I don't know what he was thinking, but I don't know if he did it or somebody else did it before him or his wife. I don't know, but <laughs> he had painted the walls in the living room, kind of a dark red. It wasn't like a dark, dark red, but it was like a bright red with just a little darkness to it. And the whole room, it looked like a fucking strip club. 
You know, it was just hideous. It made the room so dark and just like, who would pick that color? Maybe for a barn, like the outside of a barn, but not a living room. So I asked them, I said, does anything weird ever happen here? He said, well, I'm a warrior of God. And, and I was like, thanks. You answered my question. And I turned around and left. Like, (laughs) if nothing had been going on there, then his little answer would have made no sense. Like, why would you answer that question that way? So I know something was happening with him and he was trying to block it out with God and good luck. That house is fucked up. So I'll finish with this little story. And I think I may have shared this before, uh, the Ouija board, my sister, Tracy used it with her friends. I think Shannon may have used it a time or two as well. But Tracy and I used to walk to school together and, uh, she would tell me about different things that her and her friends did. I kind of lived vicariously through her because I didn't really do anything like she did. She knew how to live life. Um, she told me about this Ouija board experience. And if you heard the last episode, I'm sorry that I am repeating this to you, but she, uh, told me that they had contacted the spirit of a 16 year old boy with blonde hair and blue eyes. And his name was Keith Zeus, like the God, except for the Keith part. I don't think Zeus is real. First name was Keith. And he kept, Oh, he said he was buried under the house. And he said that, um, he, he wanted her to be his girlfriend. And I said to Tracy, I was, even then I knew I was like, you didn't say yes. Did you? And she was like, Oh no, I didn't say that. And I said, I was like, good. That may have been his way into your body, like into your, like to possess you or to come into this world. You know, there's no telling if you were talking to a, a real dead boy or a demon or what. So that happened when I was in the fourth, fifth grade, maybe fourth or fifth. When I was in the 10th grade, I was, um, sitting in English class. I was in the front corner desk and the girl behind me, I had known since second grade. She went to the same elementary school as me. Her and I dated off and on throughout elementary school. She was my little girlfriend. And, um, but she didn't know my family, you know, uh, they hung out. My sisters hung out with a completely different crowd. And even though our school system and our little city was tiny, you know, she, this girl didn't know my sisters. And after Tracy had told me that Ouija board experience, I had kind of forgotten about it. I had never told anybody about it. Not even my friends. I just kind of forgot about it. So in 10th grade, 
she, uh, her and I were writing notes and passing them back and forth like you did. And she was like, Oh my God, I got to tell you about what happened over the weekend. And she started telling me about how she used a Ouija board. And she said, she talked to a 16 year old boy and everything came back to me. Then I hadn't thought about it since Tracy had told me about it many years before that. And I sent her, I wrote back on the letter and gave it back to her. I said, blonde hair, blue eyes was his name, Keith Zeus. And I turned around and looked at her and she was pale white. She said, how did you know that? She lived on the other side of that little city, by the way. I said, uh, where did he tell you he was buried? And I was expecting her to say under her house. He didn't. He said in North College Hill under a house. And I was like, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe he is buried under the house. What is buried under that house? And he also constantly asked her to be his girlfriend. So I don't know about that. I, you know, I've racked my brain with it over the years. I've done many, many Google searches for Keith Zeus. Um, never found anything. So I don't know. I really, I don't know, but logically there's no way she would have known that from my sister's experience so many years before. And why would she, if she did know about it back then, what's the likelihood that she would have remembered it all those years, all those details. Like it's just very strange to me. So that's, that was the house I grew up in. Um, that was my first encounter with the paranormal. And I have to say it was enough. It was enough. That house is, um, it's, it's just crazy. I, I actually talked to a company once a, a television company based out of London, I think it was, who uh, currently does a paranormal TV show where people tell about their experiences and then other people reenact those experiences. Actors, you know. Um, I was going to be on that show to talk about this house, but they wanted other people to interview who also lived there so that they could get multiple angles from the stories, you know, I guess, um, lend credibility to the stories. The more people that talk about it, the better, you know, it makes a better show and nobody wanted to do it. So it never happened. And, um, then I had the opportunity recently, I've been sharing my ghost stories on Reddit. Uh, I had, I quit. Um, I have a blog, Cincinnati ghosts.wordpress.com where I keep all of my stories, all of my experiences. And, um, I have a lot of other people's stories on there from people I know and family and friends. Um, I had another person on Reddit want to interview me 
on a show, on a podcast, I think it was, and talk about my experiences. And that fell through because I couldn't get other people to talk about. And it wasn't about the house. It was about another story that I'll share later. And, you know, it's like, why do you guys keep screwing me out of this? (laughs) Like, I want to tell my stories. So here we are. And I hope you enjoyed it. Hope it gave you a little chill. Um, and that house is the main reason I have, uh, I believe fully in the paranormal as well as other stories that happened afterwards, but that's the main reason. So (laughs) Halloween in January, baby, or February. Now it's February. All right. So I told you about the schedule. Um, no new episodes till next Tuesday. But follow me on Instagram. You'll get Instagram exclusives and uh, more there. Instagram.com slash in the studio podcast. Until next time, I'm out. Peace.